So our prayer told us that without love, it's worthless. And Joseph's story demonstrated that love comes in to forgiveness. And our gospel reading today follows Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In Luke's version, Jesus is on the plain below the mount. Just picture it. Jesus finds a level place on the mountainside and the crowd gathers in. His disciples, especially the 12 apostles, are probably nearest to him. And here Jesus directs us on how to treat our enemies. But I tell you, hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Can you imagine the crowd's reaction? Probably the same as ours today. But Lord, we're only human. It's too hard. We don't instinctively love our enemies or want to do good to those who hate us. But just think about it. Jesus and his followers lived under an oppressive occupying Roman government. The Romans employed torture and murder to keep people in line. Everyone listening to Jesus talk about this love your enemies stuff had plenty of opportunities to experience the complete opposite, more I hate you with every ounce of my guts kind of sentiment. These people listening to Jesus' instructions had enemies surrounding them in the soldiers and prefects that carried out this daily social domination. But Jesus was emphatic in his direction. But I say to you who hear, do good to those who hate you. And of course, Christ is our example. This is not only what he talked about, but the truth that Christ practiced and lived by. And as imitators of Christ, what we should also live by. If we're going to summarize this message into three words, it could be, attitude is everything. The spirit in which you do something is even more important than the action itself. If you do something begrudgingly, it's not the same as doing it willingly. Bringing the Holy Spirit and some love into the action changes it dramatically. Do unto others. This is a concept that's essentially no relig- that essentially no religion misses entirely. The idea dates at least from early Confucian times, and this concept appears prominently in most of the world's major religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Taoism, and Christianity. But how do we, as Christians, live out this concept? It is natural to reciprocate, to help those who help you and hurt those who hurt you. Do unto others as they do unto you can be interpreted as simple justice. And reciprocity is a natural, common sense way to order one's life and is far more enlightened than the aggressive, selfish approach that many people favor today. Do unto others as they do unto you has often become do unto others before they do to you. We live in a world where powerful and wealthy people often use their power and wealth to accumulate even more power and wealth, with little regard to the effects on other people. The story is told of a wealthy Texas rancher who's reputed to have said, all I want is what's mine, and what adjoins it. In many circles, such aggressive behavior is not only condoned, but is celebrated. 
In some cases, truly evil people deliberately inflict injury on others for no apparent reason. We can perhaps understand the person who would steal something of value. It is more difficult to understand a person who would set fire to a church because of racial hatred or shoot a passerby for a quick thrill. In such a dog-eat-dog world, reciprocity seems positively enlightened. It does not seek to inflict injury, except in cases where injury is deserved. Its goal is fairness. The bad person suffers and the good person prospers. It is as it should be. For example, I grew up with the story of Robin Hood. Stealing from the rich to give to the poor seemed like a noble thing to do. And yet, Jesus tells us that reciprocity is not what we should be doing. Just as God goes beyond justice to mercy, we are to do the same. It's a hard lesson, one that goes against the grain. It is unnatural. We can move beyond justice to mercy, but only through the grace of God. Jesus clearly establishes that we, as his disciples, are not to allow people of lesser principles to set the agenda. We are not to wait to see what the other person will do before we decide what we will do. Nor are we to be trapped in a vicious cycle that someone else starts. Instead, we are to seize the initiative by loving, doing good, blessing, and praying. These behaviors might seem weak, but in the face of hatred and violence, Jesus transforms them. He demonstrated at the cross how powerful they can be. On the cross, he did not curse his enemies, but prayed for their forgiveness. I'm not talking about, please give that person what they have coming to them prayers. But I also don't mean that you need to spend an hour each night asking God to pour blessings upon them. There's a way to pray both for justice and for the hearts of those committing injustices. If you have hate in your heart for somebody, maybe it starts with, God, I hate that person and I don't want to. As C.S. Lewis said, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Praying for your enemy opens you up to the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. I once discussed this very subject with a minister and said, I just don't think I can pray for them. Her suggestion was very helpful. If you really cannot do it, then imagine placing them gently at the foot of the cross and asking Jesus to forgive them until you are able to. Loving your enemy does not mean you have to add them to your Christmas list or make them your best friend. It doesn't mean you excuse their actions. It means you forgive them because you know that you have been forgiven by a loving God. Therefore, you forgive with the knowledge that God is both merciful and just. We have many examples of love, forgiveness, and peaceful resistance from Francis of Assisi and St. Stephen to Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, and Dr. Martin Luther King. They have proven the power of love through centuries. Love wins. It overcomes the world. In his book, Strength to Love, Martin Luther King Jr. states that forgiveness is the decisive factor in how much you can love your enemy. I believe he's right. We can look at examples like the Civil Rights Movement and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in post-apartheid South Africa, where we see clearly that only when we treat our adversaries as humans, 
no matter how flawed, can we hope to prevail in our cause, the cause of ultimate justice, the belief that God will eventually set all the wrongs to right. Dr. Martin Luther King took it one step further. He said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? It's very easy to pray for someone in need. A little more is involved if we actively visit with them, take a meal to them, or drive them to a hospital appointment. Love is a verb and should signal us into doing rather than simply feeling. And always check your motivation for doing any act of kindness. Are you doing it without validation as a humble servant? Or are you hoping to be recognized for your good deeds? One of the most humble people I've ever met is a perfect example of doing God's work in a humble servant way. Kenneth Houck started Stephen Ministry back in 1974. It's since grown to be a huge, flourishing international ministry in churches all over the world. For those of you that don't know about it, Stephen Ministry is a wonderful program where trained lay people minister to those in their congregation needing care, whether it's a short-term crisis situation or longer term. Kenneth Houck started this ministry because well-meaning friends just didn't know what to say or do or how to help when his wife was dying from cancer. As a minister, he realized people are willing to offer care, they just don't always know how best to do it. So he began Stephen Ministry, training volunteers to visit other church members in a one-on-one, -on -one, confidential, Christian, caring relationship. I've been privileged to have many conversations with Kenneth Houck as I attended Stephen Ministry training and leadership training over the years. The feeling one gets when speaking with him in person is that yes, this ministry is an extension of his own service in God's name. These trained lay people go out worldwide to care for others, and it has to be that the Holy Spirit is in each of these caring relationships. The slogan for Stephen Ministry is, God brings the cure. I have been practicing as a Stephen minister for more than 16 years, and during that time, I was blessed to have a dear friend alongside me to lead the program and help me train other Stephen ministers. Jim was my buddy, and having him as my partner meant that we trained equal numbers of men and women for this ministry, as Jim pointed out to all the guys that all men can be as vulnerable and all need God's help from time to time. He, for me, exemplified this scripture passage. He lived it. He was certainly no saint in his early years, but he turned his life around, and when he joined the church, my goodness, he demonstrated God's love as he ministered to those who were suffering, perhaps the loss of a child or a job, perhaps someone suffering from alcoholism. Whatever the need, Jim ministered to folks confidentially and always said that he got more from the caring relationship than he ever gave out. He lived out, love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. I mention this because my dear friend died 10 days ago, and the legacy he left behind is not riches, accolades, or possessions. It is love and care given out freely as a humble servant. What an astounding way he lived out Jesus' instructions. Sometimes it's only when someone is here no more that you suddenly realize how many people they helped and how much good they did. 
So I hope to use the example of his life and legacy. I hope to build on the possibility of Stephen Ministry here at St. Stephen's. I'll strive to offer the kind of care and compassion as my friend Jim did, but also following his example and striving to do these things as a humble servant. We know that when someone turns their life around and becomes a ministering presence in this way, it is through love and only by the grace of God. It is only by showing love to our enemies and doing good to those who hate us that we display to them the love of God. And maybe, just maybe, if we show them the love of God, they will experience something they've never experienced before and will want more of it. Amen.